Chapter 10, February 1975, age 20. The weather had turned bitter cold by February, and the plows were pushing snow to the edges of Liberty Avenue as Robert marched up the sidewalk and slipped into an after-hours joint at the corner, where Angelo, Little Joe, and Herman were waiting for him at the bar, nurturing their drinks. He strolled up to them. Cold as a meat locker out there, he said, rubbing his hands together and blowing on them. The others acknowledged him with a nod. He signaled the bartender, who came over, wiping his hands on a towel. Get me a beer. The bartender got a mug, drew a draft from the tap, and placed it in front of Robert, who was scouting out the rest of the place. He saw Fat Andy at a table in the back. Anthony was sitting next to him. Robert waved towards them. Fat Andy tipped his head, but Anthony only stared coolly at him. Once Robert fell into the care of Nicky, he unofficially became a part of his crew. That didn't sit well with Anthony, who felt betrayed by Robert. After Anthony's cold reception, Robert looked down at the end of the bar and saw another member of Fat Andy's crew, a guy called Nunzi. Next to him was a beautiful, short-haired blonde who happened to make eye contact with Robert the moment he looked their way. Robert recognized the girl. Is that Janice's sister? Robert asked Angelo. Yeah, I think so. The words had barely left Angelo's mouth when a shot glass flew through the air and hit Robert on his right eye. Pain rifled through his head as he covered his eye with his hand. What are you going to do about it, you freaking punk? The remark came from Nunzi, who was now standing and facing Robert's direction, bowing his chest, his arms in the air. An electric current raced through Robert's body, tensing every muscle in his body. The bar stool fell over as Robert stood and began to charge Nunzi, but Angelo, Herman, and Little Joe restrained him. I'll kill you, he yelled at Nunzi. Come on, you punk. Hey! Fat Andy's strong voice was clear. The fight was over. Rage still saturated his veins, and Robert considered ignoring the order. After a few breaths, he released the tension in his body, and his friends let him go. Angelo picked up his stool, and Robert sat on it, staring at Nunzi. A few minutes later, Fat Andy called Robert over. He noticed the cut on Robert's eye. Fat Andy was quiet for a few seconds as he stared at Robert. You look upset, he said. I was disrespected, Andy, Robert said. Fat Andy's grin was small, but it said a lot. What do you want to do about it? I want to kill him. Fat Andy laughed, and Anthony joined in. Robert, your temper's going to get the best of you someday, he shook his head. Don't you know if you take Nunzi out, you're going to have to kill everybody else in this place. Robert called them all a few choice swear words. I don't care. I'll kill them all if I have to. I'm not going to give you permission to kill Nunzi. Besides, he looked at Anthony and then back at Robert, it seems you need to learn a thing or two about respect yourself. Robert didn't move as he stared straight ahead at nothing in particular. It shouldn't have been a surprise that Fat Andy responded the way he did since the relationship had been strained for some time now. Yet he still felt Fat Andy should maintain a sense of honor and stick with it no matter what the circumstances or persons involved. Feeling set up and betrayed, he got up abruptly, knocking over his chair, and left. You need to relax, Robert. It was four in the morning. After leaving the club, Robert went directly over to Nicky's apartment and banged on the door. The disoriented Nicky had answered the door and let him in. Ain't gonna happen, Nicky, Robert said, pacing the living room floor. You're too cocky, Robert. Nicky yawned and adjusted his robe. You think you're indestructible, and that kind of thinking will get you killed. You've got to be smart. Play it cool. But Nicky, I can't let him get away with this. It's a little cut. No big deal. 
Maybe to you, but not to me. Nicky stuck his hands in his robe pockets. You know, you're probably signing not only your death warrant, but mine too. He sighed. Okay, kid, do what you have to do. The truth was, Robert didn't care about the repercussions or who was affected. He was only concerned with his reputation, and presently his reputation as a fighter was tarnished. There was no option but for Nunzi to pay. He drove Nicky's car back to the club and parked a block away with the idea of putting a bullet between Nunzi's eyes when he came out. He pulled the car to the side of the street, turned off the engine. As he started to get a cigarette from his pocket, he remembered Nicky's strict no-smoking-in-the-car rule. So he looked all around, got out of the car, and was met by a wintry blast of air, causing him to turn up the collar on his brown leather jacket. As he moved to the sidewalk, he turned his back to the wind and lit the cigarette with his Zippo lighter. Halfway through the cigarette, Robert's ears were frozen, and a faint dusting of snow had covered him. He threw the cigarette to the curb, got back in the car, and turned it on. After warming his hands with the heater, he turned on the radio and laid the seat back a little, watching the entrance to the club through the veil of snow. Three hours later, Robert woke up to the sound of someone tapping on his frosted window. With cobwebs in his head, he rolled down the window to the face of a police officer. Hey, buddy, I need you to step out of the car, the officer said. Robert rubbed his eyes. I was just waiting for my girlfriend. Robert saw him scanning the inside of the vehicle. I need you to step out of the car, show your ID and registration. Adrenaline rushed through Robert as he realized the gun he planned to use on Nunzi was under the seat. Hey, it's okay, I'll just move the car. Robert started to put it in drive. Sir, the officer said with a much more stern voice, turn off the engine and step out now. Reluctantly, Robert did as the officer asked and handed him his fake driver's license and the car's registration. After the police officer searched the car and found the gun, he arrested Robert and took him to the local precinct on 106th Street in Ozone Park. He was booked under a false name, so no warrants were found. He stayed in the holding cell overnight and was released after his lawyer, which he didn't know he had, gave him $400 and told him to post bail. Robert found that to be strange since he hadn't appeared before the judge yet. But the judge set the bail at exactly $400. Robert paid it and was out of there with the idea of not coming back. He had a problem, though. After he was arrested, Nicky's car was impounded. He wasn't mad about it, but he told Robert he had to go back to court so he could get it out. He did as Nicky said and returned to court a couple more times, each time trying to get the car released. The last time he went, he was arrested again. What Robert and Nicky didn't know at the time was that as standard procedure... The cops try to match shooting crimes with those arrested for illegal possession of a weapon. They brought in witnesses to the killing at Broadcaster's Inn and matched Robert's mugshot with whom they thought was the shooter. When he went back for the weapons charge, they arrested him for the Broadcaster's Inn murder that happened on his birthday. Robert was brought to central booking in handcuffs with his jacket folded over his hands. As he entered the lobby, he heard someone say, Hey, buddy, look here. A photographer from Newsweek was poised with a camera, ready to take his picture, but Robert used the jacket to hide his face. You moron, Robert snapped, get lost. That same day, the police were able to tie Robert to the killing of the giant junkie a year and a half before. They also tried to get him to implicate others in the murder cases, but Robert's dedication to his friends ran deep, and he wasn't about to give anyone up just for a little leniency in his case. He stayed locked up for three months, 
waiting on a more merciful judge who would set a bail that he could make. The bail was finally set at $40,000. Nicky and Lenny called in a favor from a friend of theirs to put up a couple of properties. And with the help of Robert's mother and sisters, they managed to pool enough money to get him out of jail with the order not to travel outside of New York.